Welcome to the AT Parenting Survival Podcast, where you get help and guidance through the chaos of parenting a child with anxiety or OCD. This show is for educational purposes and is not intended to replace the guidance of a qualified professional. Here's your host, child therapist, Natasha Daniels. Well, hello there, and welcome to another episode of the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. I hope you had a really good Thanksgiving. I hope that it was nice to have a couple of days off for those of you that are in the United States and getting back into the swing of things this week. Today, I have Janine Halloran on the show. I think you're going to really enjoy this interview because she is such a, well, first of all, I really adore her. She is an amazing person, but she also has great approaches and insight in how to help our kids use coping mechanisms, which is really at the crux of how to help them with a lot of their struggles, um, especially our anxious kids who need these coping mechanisms, but sometimes don't know how to tap into them. And even harder are the teenagers. And it's really challenging to get a teenager to recognize what are coping skills, to recognize what works for them without it sounding babyish or annoying or nagging. And Janine and I talk about that and she gives us some good approaches on how to talk to a teenager about coping mechanisms and which ones can work and how to get them to use them. So I think you're going to really enjoy this. Before I get started, I want to remind you to not forget to subscribe to the show so that you don't miss any of my episodes. They come out every Tuesday. But if you don't subscribe, you may not know about that. And I also want to let you know that you can follow me on Instagram. Um, Somebody actually, Jessica Mercedes, wrote as a review, love this podcast, thank you. Do you have an Instagram page? (laughs) It's like, why, yes, thank you for asking. I actually do. Not many people know about it over there. People know about my YouTube channel. Um, They know about my podcast, my website. But people are not really knowing about my Instagram account. So you can follow me. It's at AT Parenting Survival, and I would love to see you over there. In fact, what I'm doing recently is I am uploading directly my YouTube videos to Instagram as well. So if you love Instagram, you don't go on YouTube and it's more convenient for you, you're going to start finding that I'm uploading IGTV videos directly onto Instagram. So you can see those or you can have your kids watch those without having to leave that platform. So I hope that helps. Follow me at AT Parenting Survival, and I'll see you over there. And I get to kind of interact with you on a on a closer level because you can watch my Instagram stories, see what's going on in my life, and I can hear about what's going on in yours. So hope to see you over there. But before you go over to Instagram, let's listen to this interview with Janine. I think you're going to find her information really helpful. She just came out with a new book, which is Coping Skills for Teens, and she has one that has been a bestseller called Coping Skills for Kids which is phenomenal, really like the Bible for coping skills for kids. And she has created one for teens, which is very much needed. And you can learn about all of her resources at copingskillsforkids.com. She has like really cool decks of cards that I use in my practice. And I have parents get on different topics on different coping skills, relaxation decks. She has a wealth of knowledge and a wealth of products. So go over and check her website out. And without further ado, here's my conversation with Janine. Well, I want to welcome Janine Halloran to the show again. Thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate it. I'm so glad to be here. You know, I love being on your show. Yeah, you are. I must talk about you at least on a weekly basis because I'm like, if anyone asks me about coping skills, I'm like, have you heard of Janine Halloran? Yeah, <laughs> coping skills are her thing. 
So I just randomly saw that you had a new book coming out. And so I reached out to you because I was like, I get a lot of questions about how to help teens cope. And you have Coping Skills for Kids, which is a fantastic book and I think a bestseller. I mean, everybody talks about it. It is really, and you have Coping Skills Cards, which I actually tell people to get all the time too. And we'll get into that in a minute, not to just jump into everything that you have to offer. But you have a new book that's come out for Coping Skills for Teens, which I think is particularly needed because teens just really don't know how to cope and they think coping skills are probably stupid. So we have that barrier. What made you write a second book on that? So I've got to be honest with you. I wasn't planning on writing a second book. I love being able to share ideas with people, but I don't necessarily love the process of writing. So once Coping Skills for Kids was done, I was like, I'm never writing another book again. And and then, (laughs) you know know what I mean? It's just not great. But then I was going out and I was doing speaking and talking with people and I kept hearing over and over and over again, this is great, but I wish I had it when my kids were little. Now they're teenagers and they won't touch it. Or, you know, I really, you know, my kids are older now. I really need something for the teenagers. When are you going to write something for the teens? And I, you know, I also see teen clients. And so one day I finally was like, okay, I will give in and I will actually write this book because I was thinking about my teenagers, the adolescents that I see. I want to write something for them, something that would speak to them that would not feel babyish because I think, you know, as great as the Coping Skills for Kids workbook is, it's aimed for a younger audience. So if you give that to a teenager, they're going to feel like you're treating them like a child and they're yeah. not going to want to do that. They're not going to want to look at cutesy pictures. So I wanted to sort of range it so that it would like rearrange it, redo it so that it was more appealing to a teenager. It was more it was cooler in a way, but also like a little bit more vulnerable. Yeah. I I talk about in the beginning talk, I talk about being a teenager in therapy and that is why I became a therapist because I really liked that support that I got and I want to do that. And I wanted to do that for kids and that's why I became a therapist. And so I think you start from that place of vulnerability and it makes it easier for them to then have a little buy-in because it is that they will not try coping skills if they are not feeling safe enough to do it. Yeah. And I love that you start off the book being vulnerable and letting them know your story, because I agree. I think they're very suspicious. You know, like I've had a lot of kids, a lot of teenagers who've said to me, you know, you just want the money or like, you're just, you're just in here for therapy. You're being paid to talk to me. And I was like, actually, I could be paid a lot more by being an attorney or being, you know, I would like rattle off places where I thought I'd make more money. I'm like, you know, you have to start with wanting to do this. And I think kids are, they're suspicious of like their motives. And so starting from a place of vulnerability and saying, I've been where you're at, I get it, I think does open it up. And how things are packaged does make a difference too, because they don't want anything that seems cutesy or babyish. And, you know, a parent can hand them a really good resource, but if there is a cartoon on it, or if there's, you know, it looks like it's for a 10-year-old even, they're not even going to open the book. I mean, just to get them to open a book in general, that says coping skills on it, you know, it's going to be tricky, but if they, if they're going to see a cart, a babyish cartoon, it's going to be really hard, I think. Oh, absolutely. And I actually went through a lot of like cover designs because I wanted it to be something appealing because I know, I know what it feels like if somebody hands you something that you're like, I'm too old. Like I've seen their faces, you know what I mean? And I went through and I, you know, I love my graphic designer. She did all the graphic design on the cards and she made this beautiful cover. And I was like, this is not going to work for me. I love you, 
This is great for coping skills for kids. I will not sell any if I yeah. <laughs> will not reach the kids that I, the teens that I want to reach if it is, if it looks too babyish for them. And so I really thought about that even through the design, through the design of the cover, through like just black and white on the inside, like not a lot of like popping colors, trying to keep it simple, but helpful for them and thinking of things that they would actually enjoy and do. Yeah. And let's dive into that. So how, how do you view coping skills differently for teens than you do for kids in general? Honestly, I use a lot of the same sort of strategies, but I try to make it a little bit feel less babyish. So I don't use cartoony things. I don't use, you know, when I talk about deep breathing, I don't talk about stuffed animals. I talk about gifts or I talk about YouTube videos. You know what I mean? So it's a little bit, it ages it up. It's still deep breathing, but it feels less childish to a teenager because, you know, they want to, they want to be talked to like an adult, even though they're not quite an adult yet but you can have some really deep, honest conversations with them. And you can go very, you can dive very deep if they feel comfortable, if they feel okay, and they feel like you understand them and you get them and you're one of those supporting, caring adults, they can talk to you and they can share a lot of what's going on, but you have to get to the place where they feel like you are, you are listening to them and you are hearing them and seeing them. Yeah, definitely. So we'll probably have a mix of people listening, watching this, because I'm going to put this on my podcast, but I'm also going to put it on my YouTube channel where I have a lot of teens and even some young adults that, that watch it. So we'll, we'll try to speak to both groups of people as far as what are some of your like go-to coping mechanisms for teens that you think they gravitate to the most? You know, just thinking through the different sections I have of the book. So for like processing Having them start to really journal, I think is powerful. I, I love journaling. And it's, it's also mentioned in the Coping Skills for Kids workbook, but I talk about it a little bit differently in the teen workbook because it was so powerful for me as a child, as a teenager, and as an adult. I still journal and I find it to be one of the most helpful things. And I've also noticed when I work and I say it with my clients, you know, they are having a hard conversation with a boyfriend or they're having a challenging situation with their family. They don't know what to say. They actually write it out and it helps them try and figure out exactly what they want to say, what they want to do, and how to sort of approach challenging conversations, which is tough. You have a lot of challenging conversations. You have fights with friends all the time. You like, you've got, you're starting relationships. That's really challenging to sort of try and work through and figure that out. So I, I always start with journaling with them. The other thing I like to do is encourage them to have play time, but it looks differently when you're a teenager. So they're not going to be going and swinging on the swings at the playground, although I'm sure some of them want to, um, (laughs) which is fine. That would be okay. But I do a lot more of, you know, using your creativity, thinking about, you know, could you write poetry? Could you write songs? Could you, you know, think about maybe what would you write, make a video about? What would you start a podcast about? What would you do with your hands? Like, are there things that you can make? Are there, you know, projects you can do around the house that would make you feel, you know, it gives you a break. It gives you time to sort of just decompress and de-stress, which is, I think, something that all teenagers need to be able to do, but they don't necessarily want to sit down and play with blocks. Like, that's just not what they're going to be doing anymore. And, you know, 
when you get older, that's not what you want to do. You want to do something different. So building something, you know, I love actually using Eureka crates. So they have like the Kiwi crates for the little kids, but the Eureka crates are like really intense. Like my daughter has them. She's made some really cool things. She made a lock box, like a complete like treasure box that you can lock. She made a ukulele that plays. She made an electric pencil sharpener. So like these are really cool. Like if you have a child, a teenager who loves that sort of like building engineering, that STEM steam sort of um, thing. I love the Eureka crate. So that's a way that my own daughter plays. Oh my gosh. Okay. I'll have to Google that. (laughs) Yeah. It's under Kiwi. So it's under Kiwi crate. It's within that ecosystem, but it's Mm -hmm. called Eureka crate. Mm -hmm. All right. Some things to dig into. I agree. I think creativity is such a good thing to tap into. And I think sometimes teens don't realize that that is a coping mechanism. Sometimes it's just connecting the dots and saying, you know, when you go and you draw, you know, or you're painting or you're playing some music, that's a coping mechanism. We're not talking always about things that you think are like your grandma's coping mechanisms. Like, you know, it's, it can be creativity. And I do going back to what you're talking about with journaling. I know I was a very anti-journal person for a while because I just like, the idea of writing my thoughts down one seemed vulnerable. Like I didn't want someone to come across this. What if someone found this? So like having my own social anxiety, the idea that someone can like discover my thoughts was, was overwhelming. And then I'm like, I think some anxious people are kind of like, we have to have a purpose. And so I'm like a very like utilitarian person. So I'm like, what is the purpose of this? You know, like I could never play a game when I was a kid or like a card game. Cause I'd be like, well, what's the purpose? Like <laughs> it's very sad actually, but I will tell you that I am almost done actually with a social anxiety memoir. And I've had to like write like from the very beginning up until now. And so it was like journaling. I found when I couldn't write because I had to do with something else. I like, I missed it. It was cathartic. And then I wished I had journals from my past that I could go in and tap into. And so if you're that person out there who doesn't like writing for writing's sake, you know, pretend you're writing a memoir, pretend you're writing your story and write it almost in a fictional sort of way. And if you like writing on some level, you know, if you're not a writer at all, you're going to be like, nope, not going to do it. But I mean, I actually like writing, but I just didn't feel like there was a purpose to it. But if you imagine you're writing a memoir, it's very therapeutic and it's very rewarding. So I'm trying to go back to journaling now, but I can't, I just can't do it. It's like, if it's not going to be published, (laughs) I can't write it. (laughs) You know what? I think that there's something to be said for that. I always talk about different people have different ways of coping and we need to respect that and honor that about ourselves. So just a lot of figuring out coping skills is figuring out what works for you because journaling works amazingly well for me. It always has, it always will. Like I just know that about myself. I know that that's a way that I cope for you. It's different. And you know what? Here we are, two therapists who work with kids and we we get that. You know what I mean? Like we understand that different kids respond differently to different strategies and depends on the mood. Because I'll say like, if I'm really like mad, journaling does not work, but it'll work when I'm feeling sad. I do something else when I'm mad. I probably like (laughs) go out and go for a really like angry walk. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And it, it it is finding your thing and, you know, not dismissing things because you just immediately think that they wouldn't work, you know, cause I, I dismissed journaling and now, I mean, I'm still writing my book. And so I am journaling. I mean, that is what it is. And I probably will continue once I don't have to write that book because I'll miss it because it was therapeutic. So it's finding your thing. So what other coping mechanisms do you think help teenagers in particular? 
You know, I actually think that one thing that's sort of overlooked is the sensory stuff for teenagers, sensory and movement. So I combine them into one in the book. And so having them do things like playing in a Zen garden or, you know, and that's a way of like playing in the sand, but still then it's cooler than like getting out a sand tray. But like, if you can arrange the beads, you're raking the sand with a little tiny rake. It's kind of cool. It's kind of neat and interesting. So I would sort of like save that for the older students that I was working with or for my older teens, like when I see them, I'll bring out the the Zen garden because that's something that's really calming and soothing. And I have to say, honestly, some of my teens still like calming jars. They still like them. Yeah. Um, they just they won't use them in school because that's not cool. But they'll use them at home or they'll carry like a small stone or a shell or like a something that is sort of like almost a transitional object for them. Mm-hmm. Um, I had one of my teenage clients who went into the hospital and then got discharged and knew she needed to go back to school and she was really having a hard time with like the idea of walking through the building. And so we we talked about what was going to help. And she decided on using this tiny, small stone that was sort of flat that she could like sort of pinch and hold as she like was able walking through the building. So it's amazing what those tiny pieces can do in order to help kids sort of settle into themselves and walk through their day. Because high school is tough. Middle school is tough. Yeah, I totally agree. I think it's become cooler and I'm sure you'll tell me if I'm not accurate, <laughs> not you, but other people, but things are satisfying. So I feel like that has been kind of like how the teens and young adults have transitioned into like sensory stuff is, oh, it's so satisfying. Let's watch all these YouTube videos about satisfying images. And I know with my kids who are getting older, like my son who's 11 now, like he's okay playing with like kinetic sand and cutting it and chopping it because it's satisfying. And he watches YouTube videos where, you know, teenagers and cool people are doing it. So I think that there is more opportunities and what is it? ASMDR? Oh, I can't, I never remember it. (laughs) ASMR. Okay. Now I feel like I'm like 80 years old. You know what I'm talking about? To me, that is like, so not relaxing, but people love that. Oh, see, it is for me. Yeah. No, I totally love that. (laughs) You and I I, like on the opposite ends of the continuum. Whenever I have you on, you're like, I really like breathing. I really like that. And I'm like, oh gosh, I could never do that. (laughs) (laughs) It is, but it's funny. Yeah. Everyone's got a different thing. And that just shows you. So if like, you know, some coping mechanisms, you're like, absolutely not. That's how they're supposed to be. It's like a big, you know, pile of opportunities and you pick which one. Like noise for me is not relaxing when someone's whispering or touching a microphone. Like but I have misophonia, which has a lot of sensitivity to noise. So like if you have misophonia, that's not going to be relaxing to you. That's going to be triggering. It actually makes me angry. It hits my limbic system. I want to kill someone. So it's not a good thing. So how do we get kids or teenagers to do these things when, if you're telling, like, if I tell my 17 year old to, you know, go do something, she probably won't, even though she's a very compliant person, just because it's my idea, not hers. I wonder how parents can, it's a double question because how can parents get kids to do this? And for those that are listening directly on YouTube, who happen to be a, you know, a teenager, how do we get you to do these things so that you can try it so that you realize, oh my gosh, this actually is relaxing or helpful. So one of the things I always start talking with my teen clients about is like, this might feel weird. This might feel uncomfortable or like strange or whatever. Like if we're doing like a body scan or progressive muscle relaxation, those things, like if you've never done it before, it's a little bit strange. It's a little bit weird. And I will be honest with them and say that. And what I find helps the most is if I do it with them. 
So I show that I'm also being vulnerable. I show that I'm also trying it. I can say, you know, if I've done a mindful eating exercise with a client, then we do it together and we talk about how it felt and what was weird about it and what we liked about it and what did we think and would we want to do this again, that sort of thing. So I always tend to do it with them. And same for my own kids too. I try to you know, practice what I preach and have them practice their strategies at different times. Like let's do some reading, let's do some coloring, you know, right now is a great time to take a break. Let's read together in bed while, you know, it's between classes. And, you know, I know remote learning is a challenge for you. So let's figure out what will work for you. I think being able to do it with them and is really helpful. And as a parent, it is also sort of informative for you. Like, does this work for me? Is this something I could do at other times? How were my coping strategies? Because that's the other thing. You could talk about what works for you. What are the ways that help you? Like, are you one of those people who loves to go and do like workouts at the gym? And that's like a way that you get your energy, your extra anger out, whatever. Or are you a person who loves to read? Are you a person who loves to garden? You know, being able to pick up on those things and share those Talk about it with your kid and be like, listen, I had a hard day today. So I'm going to spend some time in the garden because I need to walk or I need to, I need to do this. This is going to help me manage how I feel right now. And recognizing that we all have big feelings. We all have big emotions at one time or another. And it's, it's so relieving for teenagers to know, like my parents are not like automatons. They have emotions too. Mm-hmm. Like they have bad days at work. Yeah. They have, somebody yeah. cut them off in line and it's really making me mad or it's real. I'm sad because it's hard with the holidays as they are this year, you know, all these different yeah. emotions we might be feeling to be able to talk to teenagers and be like, this is hard. This is awful. Like there, are, this is, this is challenging. How can we work through this together? How can we help support each other? Yeah, I love that. I think it's so true. You bring up some really good points because it's not like a, you know, a preachy thing of do this or you're angry. You should go pick a coping skill. What coping skill do you want to do? Being human. And I like, I like that modeling for them is how it's going to resonate and it's going to help you too. You know, I, I was, I just posted something about how we learn about our own struggles, like from our kids. And when you're raising kids with anxiety or OCD, a lot of parents, like a disproportionate amount of parents will reach out to me and say, oh my gosh, I have that. Like, I had no idea I have that. And I'm using all the skills that you're talking about and I'm getting better too, or they're feeling overwhelmed, but you know, you could turn it into a positive and start to work on your stuff. And coping mechanisms are the same way. If you model it or, and even if you use softer language too, because yes. you know, when you say coping skills to a teenager, you're going to get a glazed over look probably, you know? Uh-huh. But if you connect the dots, my son was like really angry the other day. I want anger. And we were talking because, you know, he'll scratch himself or he won't do anything. That's a really good coping mechanism, but he sees that as a coping mechanism, which is really concerning. And I bought him a stretchy ball and a stress ball. And I mean, every fidget under the sun, we've done so much and nothing seems to be working. And so he'd calmed down already at that point. And we'd like walked around the neighborhood because we've been lately just doing that every day because it's gotten cooler out. And I just mentioned, Oh, this, you know, walk is good. You know, it feels nice to go walking or whatever. And he was actually scooting. He was on a scooter. <laughs> and he said, and all I had to do was make that connection. Like, oh, this feels good. And he said, you know, maybe next time, mom, when I'm feeling that way, I can come down and ask you if I can go for a walk. And I was like, okay, yeah, that's a good idea. But in my head, I'm like, oh my gosh. Now, if I had said that to him, 
when you're feeling this frustrated, you need to just go out for a walk. He probably wouldn't have heard that, but because it was his idea and I just connected the dots. I mean, it hasn't happened yet, but at least now that's an option on the table. (laughs) I mean, it just, this whole thing just happened two days ago. So we'll see. But I think modeling, because we were walking, so it was something that we were doing to cope and I was just vocalizing how it felt good, you know, is, I I like that. I think that's a good point to, to bring up. Absolutely. And I love that you didn't use the term coping skills because yes, I have titled my entire business around coping skills. But when I talk to kids and to teenagers, I don't talk, I don't say coping skills. I say the strategy we're using. So I'll say, let's do some, let's try this breathing thing or let's, and I will sometimes just say like breathing thing. Like I try to keep it casual because if you make it super formal, they're not going to be interested in it, especially teenagers. They'll see right through you. You're like, yeah. I know what you're doing. I'm not doing that. And, <laughs> and and so to be able to sort of make, help them make those connections in a way that feels like they are able to sort of think through it and get there themselves. That's what we really want them to be able to do, to, to do that work, to be able to say, I like how I was feeling this way. I'm doing this thing. And now I feel better. That's the goal. Yeah. And, you know, I think For those that are listening that are teenagers, like get in touch and pay attention to what you do that you enjoy and and start recognizing that that is your coping mechanism. That is what you're going to be doing when you feel like, how do you take care of yourself? And for parents, I think, like you said, highlighting it in a weird way, like my son, not to keep talking about him, but like, he's really into like arm knitting. Yes. Yeah. So he makes like these, like, he's a quirky kid. So he makes these like huge knitted blankets. Like he could probably sell them on Etsy for a lot, but they're relaxing. Cause like the monotony of it, you know, he's been angry a lot lately. So I was like, do you want me to just get you some yarn? You want to start yarn, you know, arm knitting again? And he's like, okay, that'd be cool. And for the last two days, he's been like, so calm. He's doing it actually literally right now, a few feet away from me in the other room. He's like, and they're beautiful blankets to be there. It's an expensive hobby though. Cause that yarn is expensive. But I'll go back out there and I'll say, seems like so nice and calming for you to do this, just to make that connection that this behavior, this action is calming. And I think that sometimes we can do that as parents. It's not like, be like, go do your calming mechanism, you know, and go like, you know, arm it. But it's like just making that highlight of this activity seems, and not even be presumptuous, it seems calming for you, you know, planting that seed. Absolutely. And I think it's so funny. Sometimes I feel like we we have like the same children, like my little boy who is 10 also started knitting over really? like, that yes. Funny. I do feel that way when every time I talk to you. Like there are like, they would get along, I think. Yeah. Um, but he actually has said to me, like he knits on a knitting loom. So it's a little bit easier. So he uses the like little hook That's cool. and he's like, this is so relaxing. I'm like, yep. So when like, this is, this is really good for you to know, like, this is a relaxing thing. So we can watch YouTube and we can knit together and relax at night. Let's do that when you're like, after a rough day, let's do that. Cause it's something that really helps you settle into your sort of nighttime routine. I think it's so funny. They both are knitting. <laughs> that is funny. Cause that's kind of unusual. Maybe not, yes. you know, but every time I talk to you, cause I think last time you talked, we we're like, comparing notes. And I was like, Oh my gosh, there's well, even before we started recording this podcast, we were like, Oh, they're both having a hard time with with the online school. (laughs) I like that. I like that. You're like showing him, you know, that this could be a routine and then they're going to grow up and they're going to have some really healthy ways to take care of themselves because they're aware of it that, you know, cause I mean, how many times do we do things that are really calming and we don't recognize it? We don't highlight it. And then 
it just falls to the wayside because we never yeah. come back to it. Yep, absolutely. And that's why one of the questions that I ask adults is, what's something you used to love to do as a child? What are the things that bring you joy? Because those are the things that will help you. Those are your coping strategies. That's your self-care. Figure those things out. So for me, I know I love Nintendo. I'm a Nintendo fangirl. I have been, I will always be. So I play Animal Crossing. It's fine. And people are like, what do you do in that game? Like I fish. <laughs> That sounds so relaxing. See, like, this is the difference between you and I. Like, I'm so neurotic. Like, I got into Sims for a while. Oh, yeah. And, like, I would have to wake up at, like, 5 in the morning to, like, you know, I don't like the way Sims used to make you, like, have to wait for things. And I would, like, worry about my game. (laughs) No, not for you. No, no. Animal Crossing is, like, pretty chill. You're like, yeah, you eventually have to pay somebody back for your house, but you know, you can, there's no pressure. They're not like it's due by this date. They're like, whenever you want to just pay your house back. I'm like, all right, I'll just pick some fruit. (laughs) (laughs) See, my anxiety would be like, I have a house bill. (laughs) The pressure is so intense. (laughs) That's so funny. But you're right. Like find what works for you. I like that. Like what worked for you as a kid? Because how many of us as adults don't even have, you know, an idea. If you ask an adult, like, what's your coping mechanism? You might get some like very like rote responses, like take a, take a bath or get a massage. But, you know, I don't think a lot of people go deeper than that. And especially nowadays, like we need to, you know, just as human beings, not just kids, teenagers, but as human beings, like we all need to have kind of like, how do we take care of ourselves? I mean, and ironically, mine is journaling right now, but it will be published you know, and everybody will read it. And that'll be embarrassing, but that's okay. <laughs> so. <Do it. laughs> So where can people find your book? I know it's everywhere. Yeah. So if they go to copingskillsforkids.com over on there, they'll see all of the uh, materials I have available, things that are aimed more for kids and more for teenagers. And I'm working on some stuff for the little ones too. Oh, you are? Like the little, little ones? The little, little ones, like a visual coping skills checklist that's on my list to do like kind of soon. Because I really want littler ones to be able to access it or kids who struggle with writing and reading and so that they are able to see it and still access it. So it's one of the things that I really want to do. Yeah. That's amazing. Are you in a practice still? Yep. I still see kids privately. It's a small clientele and I'm booked right now, but I love the kids that I see. So I, I keep them. I like, I just can't help it. I'm like, All right. I know that is so funny. I do. I have my like little tiny, tiny practice too. But I'm surprised because I look at you and I'm like, wow, she's doing so much. I'm surprised that you're able to maintain a practice. But, you know, it's through word of mouth and people I've known for a while. And I just, I want to help see them through. So here I am. And like, I just, I know that I can't do more than what I have. And I I just have to recognize that. Like, it's very hard for me to turn people away because I do get people who like reach out all the time. And I'm like, I I can't. (laughs) I know. I totally get that. I know. I get that too. I would definitely recommend people go visit your website, copingskillsforkids.com, right? Yep. Whenever I tell people your website, I think I put a the in there sometimes. And but I'll leave links in the show notes and links below if you're watching on YouTube, because um, it's a fantastic resource. It's something that I tell people to go to all the time when I remember to drop the the. And the cards are really good too. So I'd really look at Janine's like relaxation deck and her coping skills, different, she's got different decks for different things. And that's just been really helpful for the kids that I've worked with in my practice. So thank you for coming on again. I always appreciate having you on. It's Come so on. much fun. It's so easy to talk. It's like we can talk forever. I know. So people reach out and look at her resources and I'm sure I will see you back again on the podcast. 
Thank you. Well, I hope you found that interesting. I know that I always love talking to her. I'm sure she'll be back again. But in the meanwhile, go visit her site at copingskillsforkids.com and see all of the amazing things that she has to offer. She really has a great way of showing kids and teenagers how to use these coping mechanisms in a fun, creative way. So I hope that you find the podcast helpful. If you do, please don't forget to hit a star and rate it wherever you consume your podcasts. To show my support, I always like to end my show reading one of your reviews if you leave one. And I do appreciate those people that take the time to actually leave a review because it does make a big difference. So I want to thank 417WL who wrote A Blessing in My Life. My son has OCD and was seeing a child therapist. It didn't seem like it was helping. I was confused. I started to look for resources and I came across Natasha's website online. I wanted to buy her online OCD for parents course, but I wanted to know a little bit more. So I started listening to podcasts. Not many things in my life have hit me as hard as her words did. I had really found answers to many questions that I've had. I was on a road trip at the time and I devoured many of her episodes. She has been a lifesaver for my son and my family, and I cannot say enough good things. Please give her stuff a listen. Hopefully it will change your life as well. So thank you for taking the time to leave a review and binge listen to me on your road trip. I'm glad it helped. And I hope that you are finding the OCD class helpful as well. For those of you that are listening, if you have something that you can write, maybe I'll be reading your review next time. So don't forget to find the sparkle in everything you do. And I'll talk to you again next Tuesday. Take care. Thank you for listening to the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. To get additional support raising a child with anxiety or OCD, visit Natasha's online school of on-demand classes at atparentingsurvivalschool.com. 